Okay, so uh, we are continuing our series in Ephesians tonight, and we're moving right along, and uh, we finally are starting chapter 2, so you can go ahead and get started flipping to Ephesians chapter 2, and as we've been mentioning, we're calling the series Finding Your Purpose. Um, Throughout the book of Ephesians, a major theme is finding purpose, and we can find purpose through a lot of the truths that we find in this book, and um, just a quick uh, overview of where we've been in, in chapter 1. We've talked a lot about salvation and the spiritual blessings opening up, seeing the spiritual blessings we can have in our salvation. And we do- dove deeper into, uh, after that, more into like the, how our salvation actually works, how we get saved. Um, and last week we finished out chapter 1 talking about Christ and the authority that Christ has. I mean, that's, we have salvation through him, right? And... and looking at prayer, and that, man, we should be praying to the Lord, and uh, that's, and to, to get that authority in our lives that, that he's got, and to be connected with him, and so, like I've said before, we're, we're covering a lot of doctrinal things early on in this book, and so the salvation theme is going to come back up tonight, we're looking at salvation again, um, we're going to be talking about Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, and those verses, I feel like those are some of the earliest verses I ever mentioned, or ever realized, uh, memorized, um, and uh, I, I want to challenge you tonight, you know, because maybe this is going to be a little bit more familiar of a passage, I want to challenge you um, that even though you're familiar with it, man, don't, don't gloss over it, just because it's familiar. I mean, this book uh, is eternal, and just because we know it, there's always something we can learn from it, right? Um, you know, if you know it, already, then how, how is that benefiting you, I guess is the question. Uh, James one twenty two says, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So, man, if I, I, I knew I had this passage and I started looking at it at first and was like, man, I, I know, you know, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, like I know these verses a lot, but man, don't let their familiar, familiarity allow you to, to zone out, but um, pay attention, see what you can, can glean from it and apply to your lives so that we can be doers of the word, right? Um, so if you're there with me in Ephesians, we're going to read the first 10 verses. So we'll jump in here with verse 1. It says, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the mind and the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we are dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace he is saved and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace he is saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And so we're going to see some spiritual realities of our salvation tonight. And the goal for tonight, of course, is, is to understand those realities and understand uh, better our salvation and what the passage says. But, man, the goal also is then, um, because you know some things are true of you spiritually, and the goal is to make those things true of your life practically. We always want to be applying 
what we, what we know to be true of us and make that true now and walking in that. Man, so, so man, what, what Christ, Christ made true for you spiritually, man, make that true in your daily life, right? And so we're gonna look at, at three main points tonight to try to, to do that um, as we break down this passage. But before we do that, let's go before the Lord, of course, ask him to be our teacher. Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, we come before you tonight and um, man, we are so grateful for your word. We are so grateful of course, for what you've done for us in salvation. Um, and we can never thank you enough for that. And I, I really don't know that we even really will ever understand it. Uh, certainly not now. It's so deep, and we're so grateful for that. Um, I just pray that as we dive into your word tonight, that um, you would open our understanding, that you would help us to, to understand and comprehend these things and, and help us to apply them to our lives now, to live these things out, uh, man, that, that we could please you now. Um, because of the things that you've done in our lives. So we love you. We want you to be glorified. Um, thank you for tonight and what you're going to do. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So uh, what we're going to be seeing, the goal, again, we're trying to live according to the positional reality of our salvation, the spiritual truths that are true of our salvation. So the first point is going to be remember who you were. Don't walk the world's course. We want to remember who we were, and we don't want to walk the world's course. From verses 1 through 3, again, we see, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others." And so for those of us that are here tonight, if you're here and you're saved, man, we need to remember that we weren't always saved, right? We, we weren't always who we are now. Paul says we, we used to be spiritually dead in trespasses and sins. Uh, spiritually dead, that, that was our spiritual condition before the Lord, that of being dead. And really every one of us is guilty before God of sins and trespasses against him, right? From Romans 3.23, we know for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And, and ultimately, if you're familiar with the story and the beginning of sin, we all inherited sin and death from Adam, um, the first man. And, and he lost uh, God's image and has passed that sinful, broken image down through history to us. And so we're born sinners, but also we've all chosen to sin. We've trespassed against the Lord. And a trespass, it's a fault. You know, we... We have faulted the Lord. We've offended him. Um, we've committed an offense against him. If you trespass on someone's property, you're crossing a boundary you shouldn't cross, right? So we've all trespassed against God. We're guilty of, God's breaking, his, of breaking God's law and his standards, right? And we're actually not going to look at the next couple verses in Romans and Galatians, but uh, the point of that is that we have broke the law, and it's because of the law, man, that we, we understand that we have transgressions against the Lord. And, you know, his perfect holy law has been broken by us. And so we can't be right with him because of that. He's a perfect judge. He has to judge sin. You know, Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. Man, 1 Corinthians 15.56 says, The sting of death is sin, man. Because that we've broken God's law, because we're sinners, because we've trespassed against him, Man, we all deserve death. That's a spiritual death, not just a physical death. We know we, know we all die physically. That's obvious, right? 
But man, that's just a picture of, of the fact that we have spiritual death uh, against the Lord because God and sin can't mix. He's holy and he's perfect. And you can't mix perfection and imperfection and get imperfection or get perfection. When you mix the two, you get imperfection, right? And so, man, our sin has to separate us from him. And we talked a couple weeks ago about the specifics of exactly what Christ's sacrifice does to save us and how we've been purchased by the blood Jesus shed for us. And we also saw why that was necessary a few weeks ago, and we're seeing that here now again too. It's, it's because of our trespasses and sins. And it's because of those trespasses and sins that Paul calls us spiritually dead. Look, in, in verse 2, notice he calls us the children of disobedience. And we used to be, at the end of verse 3, the children of wrath, right? In a nutshell, this is why he tells the Ephesians in chapter 5, verse 6, we'll get to it later, but it says, Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. So every unsaved person has been disobedient to God and is due his wrath. Ultimately, I mean, if you know the story of Satan, you know, he started this, this history of disobedience and the need for the coming wrath, man. And so in so doing ourselves, in so following suit of that, man, we, we take after him. And so in our spiritually dead state, we're, we're the kids of Satan, not the kids of the Lord. And Paul goes on in our passage tonight to talk more about the results then that this separation from God produces. Um, before we were saved, because we were separated from God, we walked according to the course of this world, meaning the path of our life was set in unison with the present evil world system that we live in, right? Most of the time I live under a rock when it comes to culture and, and the news. Um, sometimes, especially these days, it's easier that way, right? Because you don't have to glance at it very long uh, to see how against the Lord it is. It just naturally opposes God. And, you know, I don't care what side of the political system you're on. They're both evil. Uh, the Democrats ignore God for power, and the Republicans use God for power. They're both selfish. I mean, the course of this world today is going to hell in a handbasket. But you know what? We used to be on that course too, right? And there's no new thing under the sun. The world's course has always been that way. It's always been opposed to God. Look at the context of the, the world that the Ephesians lived in, in their own city, in Acts 19.35. It says, And when the town clerk had appeased the people, he said, Ye men of Ephesus, what man is there that knoweth not how that the city of the Ephesians is a worshiper of the great goddess Diana and of the image which fell down from Jupiter? So before Paul shows up and gives these guys the gospel, and that was their, the normal course of their world and, and the city. And the people in Ephesus, man, they got saved out of that nonsense. And actually, that whole, a lot of that chapter in Acts 19 is about the uproar that it caused because there was this big division now. But um, Paul tells the Ephesians the truth here in our passage tonight because he tells them that, man, you guys, you used to walk according to the course of this world. And, you know, the, the world's against God for a lot of reasons. Obviously, like, worshiping any God above him that breaks the very first commandment, right? And that's opposed to God. But the whole system is opposed to God. And first, like we've already seen, part of that reason is because this system is run by people that are spiritually dead, right? They're dead in their sins and trespasses, and they run the world. Like Paul says in verse 3, our spiritually dead state is, in that state, it's our only concern is the lusts of our flesh and fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. 
And so we're all selfish, and we all are, before we're saved, we're just fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of our mind. I mean, after, after we get saved, it's hard enough not to be selfish. But before we we're saved, that's all we know. We didn't know any different. We're of reprobate minds. So just take note here in verse 3 that, that Paul calls out our minds. Just hold that thought. We'll come back to that uh, a little later. But, um, but, but the course of this world is not solely the way it is because of us. Uh, a big, uh, the other big part is, you know, I mentioned Satan a minute ago, right? In Ephesians 6, 11 through 12, Paul, 12, Paul says, Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And so we, we don't have time to do a full study on this. We don't have the time to do a full study on a lot of things in this passage tonight. Um, but basically from verse 2 in our passage, this prince of power of the air and the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, that's a direct re- reference to Satan himself. So people walk in darkness, not only in action, but like I mentioned earlier, like father, like son. Their minds are reprobate. Before we got saved, we take after our spiritual father, the devil, and he has set up this world system to help us remain blinded. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine into them. So the devil's the God of this world system, and he has, he's set it up, man, so that, that people remain blinded, and, and it's set up to, to drive them farther from the truth and to, to hide the truth from them. Satan wants people to, to remain that way and to stop them from obeying the truth. So listen, we need to always remember where we came from. I mean, first of all, that's going to help us stay humble, right, and maintain uh, a mindset of thankfulness, right, in our daily walk with the Lord. Um, but it should, but remembering those things should, should drive you away from where you used to be. You should, you should want to put that in the past like it should be. So if you've claimed salvation through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, man, are you operating according to that salvation? Or are you still walking according to the course of this world on a daily basis in your life? And we looked at Ephesians 5, 6 earlier, speaking about being dead in trespasses and sins. But Paul goes on in that passage and from verses 3 to 7 talking about a whole bunch of bad things that, uh, that you shouldn't do, right? That, that people that aren't saved do. And at the end of that, if you look at verse 7, Ephesians 5, 7, he says, Be not ye therefore partakers with them. And so the question is, is that what, what you're doing in your daily life? Are you hanging out with the world and are you friends with the world and partaking of their trespasses and sins? even after you've been saved? I hope not. Christ freed you from that, right? Why would any saint want any part of that, that stuff anymore in their lives? We used to be stuck in that in the past. Why would you choose to stay in it now? Ephesians four seventeen and 18 says, This I say therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, there's the mind again, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that's in them because of the blindness of their heart. Now that you've been brought to the light, man, don't walk in the vanity of your mind anymore. We'll talk more about that later, but you should renew your mind, right? Don't walk in the vanity that you've been set free from. Ephesians six twelve says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. 
We need to learn to bring our minds and our bodies into subjection of Christ, right? To walk in the light as he is in the light. Not according to the course of this world. Not according to to the sin, the trespasses we used to be in. Let your past be enough. I mean, I'm, I'm sure none of us in here think that we should just keep sinning, right? You don't want to just keep sinning. Of course not. Let your, the past sins that you've already committed, let that suffice and move on. Don't sin anymore. 1 Peter 4, 3, for the time past, uh, the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, abominable idolatries. We need to remember the past so that we, so that we leave it behind and make sure we leave it where it should be, and that's in the past, right? Let's leave it in the past and move forward together, amen? But looking forward into verse four, the next two words, but God, right? That's who we used to be in the past, stuck in our trespasses and sins in the course of this world. Man, but God, praise him for what he's done in, in our salvation. And so the next point that we're gonna see that we need to live Practically, according to our positional reality of salvation, is regard who you will be. Sit in heavenly places. We get this from verses 4 to 9. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace he is saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace, in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace he is saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So just as we are in a spiritually dead state before our salvation, once we get saved, we are brought to life through what Christ has done through the gospel. In the gospel, uh, so we were dead and separated from God, right? And, and our, because of our sins, we, that earned us death. And the gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ, God himself, came to this planet to fix that for us. He came to this planet, and he paid that death that we owe. He paid that debt for us on the cross. He lived a perfect, sinless life. He didn't deserve death, and yet he paid our death for us. And so we get an exchange of lives through that. And he rose again three days later, victorious, proving he was God. And he sits up before the Father, and and basically offers us an exchange of lives, our dirty, sinful, trespassed life in exchange for his perfect life. And that is such a good news, and that's available to everybody. That's how we can have eternal life. Uh, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so if you haven't done that tonight, please do that and get that nailed down. Remember how we opened up this book in talking about our specific form of salvation in the church age, how that it was in Christ, Right? That concept can be seen in our passage tonight. It's consistent. And it helps explain our salvation a little bit more. Um, and, and it's also repeated and affirmed for us in Colossians 2, 12 through 13. And so Paul writes, Buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. So when you get saved, God places you in Christ, right? And, and what that is, is that, that's a spiritual baptism. You, you are immersed in Christ. And now that, that, I said baptism, that has nothing to do with water, right? This is a, this is a spiritual baptism. 
This being placed in Christ is your salvation, right? That immersion in Christ is a, your, a spiritual baptism. That's how we get placed in him. And so Christ died, and so, Christ, so the Lord accounts us as to have died with him. And then he rose, and so we, since we are in him, we are accounted to have risen with him too. That's amazing. So Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, man, we get in on that because we're in him. And so, you know, Troy talked about, we're in Acts 2, and I had to talk to him knowing we were going to jump in this passage. I talked to him on, on uh, Sunday because he's like, baptism has nothing to do with salvation. And absolutely, it does not in the context of everything we were saying then. And, and you know, I talked to him, we're good. I, he, knew, he knew this was going to happen. But uh, uh, we're talking about water baptism in Acts. We just, we have this, we're self-centered, man. We, we see baptism, we think water because that's like the only baptism that we physically do. But man, that's all just a picture. It's a picture of the, the true baptism, the spiritual baptism, um, which is what we were just talking about. So, um, so it's through that process that we get quickened, that word we see in our passage, just means to be made alive, right? Be brought back to life. And so notice what's true now of our current spiritual state from verse six. It says, and he hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Because we're in Christ, we're also sitting with him in heavenly places because that's where he is, right? Now, don't ask me to explain that. Uh, it, it's a spiritual thing. Um, it's, it's uh, I don't know. It's, it's part of, our salvation's a miracle. That's just a miracle too. Um, but I do want you to think about the specifics of where he's sitting. From last week, we saw Jesus' authority. We talked about that, right? From Ephesians 1 verse 20. It says, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. And, and he's got authority because of that. And we know there's a future time when, when he's going to even leave there and he's going to come in all of his authority and set up a throne on this planet and rule and reign here, right? And that's where the, the future aspect of this point comes into play about regarding who we will be. Look, Jesus is on the right hand of the Father and he will rule and reign and we're in him. So think about that. Not that we have a throne or we have any authority of our own, but since we're in him and he's on the throne, we're in a, we're, in a sense, we're on the throne with him because we're in him, right? And so the incredible future aspect of this, possibly foreshadowing for us, is the idea that we can, we're gonna get to rule and reign with him someday. Ephesians 3, 6 says that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his, his promise in the gospel. Uh, an heir is someone who has a right to the throne or is going to inherit some authority, right? And we, we get to get in on that. That is insane. That is grace. What the heck? What's the Lord doing? Like, that doesn't seem like we should get in on that. But, but we do. Okay, now remember how we got here, though. Don't boast, right? However... Unlike our salvation, just because we're in Christ does not automatically mean that this ruling and reigning is automatic for us. 2 Timothy 2.12 says, If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. And so there's some qualifiers for us in this life, how we respond in this life, that's going to affect the next life and our ability to rule and reign with him. 
Man, if you keep him on the throne of your life and your heart now and are obedient to him now and are faithful to him now, then those things are available to us in the future. Unfortunately, though, I'm afraid that most people today aren't willing to pay that price for the, that possible reality for them. You know, but we're still here. We still have time to get in on it, to be faithful. Revelation 3, 20 to 22, talking about man, the, the age in which we live in this time period. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh, will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame, and am set down with the Father in his throne. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. What an incredible reality that we can have available to us through our salvation in Christ. Think about this. Cool side note. Satan always wanted to share the throne with God, right? He knew he wasn't powerful enough to take it. He just wanted to share it with him. Man, but look at what God has done with us in Christ, in him. Not only are we present with him in the throne now, in a sense, but he will share pieces of the pie with us then. Man, talk about the church displaying the wisdom and print of, to the principalities and powers. Satan's going to be beside himself. Uh, like, we kind of get everything he ever wanted. So, that's a, but that's a future aspect. And so what I want is for you, you to allow that future aspect to drive your everyday life now. Since we're currently sitting in heavenly places with Christ spiritually, we should sit with him daily now. So we, we don't have time to go there, but uh, I'll put Luke 10, 38 to 42 on your sheet. Uh, you could also make note of Genesis 19, 1. But Luke 10, 38 to 42 is the, the story of Mary and Martha. Uh, and if you're familiar, Jesus visits Mary and Martha, their sisters, and the whole time Martha is just cumbered about with much doing, trying to serve, trying to do all these things to make him comfortable, all of that. And Mary is just sitting at his feet, just sitting at the feet of Jesus. She sat at Jesus' feet, it says, and Jesus praises her for it. She was just spending time with Jesus because he, he, you know, their time with him was temporary. So he was, she was sitting with him and spending time with him. And from Genesis 19.1, Lot, Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah, he occupied a, a place that, uh, of rulership in that city, a place that doesn't happen over, um, overnight. I mean, he worked his way to that point by spending a lot of time there. And it says he sat in the gate of Sodom. And so this idea of, of where, are you, where are you sitting is where you're spending your time. I mean, that's true for me now at work. Uh, most of my day I spend sitting at work, and that's where most of my time is, right? So where are you sitting on a daily basis? I don't necessarily mean literally. Check out this, Colossians 3, 1 through 2. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above Notice, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. There's a connection. See the connection? We're seated with him in heavenly places, so we should be seeking those things which are above. We should be maintaining a spiritual mindset and spending time toward that end. We need to be seeking and spending time towards him. Our current state of being seated with him is because of our salvation, right? So the, the baptism idea, a spiritual baptism, a salvation that I talked about, and I emphasize this vanity in our mind, the, the mind aspect, we're going to connect to those now. 
1 Peter 3.21 says, The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So the like figure whereunto even baptism doth, doth also now save us. Okay, that's, that figure in context, what it just was talking about Noah's Ark. And Noah's Ark is a picture of salvation. Uh, everybody thinks of the water, but don't worry about the water, it's about the ark. Those, you had to be in the ark to get saved, to be saved at that point, right? And that's the idea. The ark is a picture of Christ. We have to be in Christ to be saved right now, right? We're immersed in him. There's that, that's the baptism picture. But that, so the Noah's deal was a picture of us. But, but notice, Peter even says, this is not about water. It's not about anything physical, actually. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh. This isn't dirt and water. He says, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. That's, there's where the salvation is. And so the answer of a good conscience towards God, what, this is, that's in your mind, right? This is, this is not physical. This is about your, your soul, your spirit, your mind, right? Romans 6.23, we know our bodies are gonna die. And we, we've talked already in past weeks about uh, the inheritance we've got and the adoption we've got to wit, the redemption of our bodies, like our bodies aren't saved right now. Like th- this salvation, this is, this is kind of like about our minds, right? And that's interesting. Another cool side note uh, that we don't have time for, but this world system's doing their best to achieve uh, this without God. This idea of et- this, ad- they want eternal life, right? And so what are they trying to do? They're trying to download their minds on computer chips so they can upload them le- later when we get the technology to build people new bodies. Like they're trying to do that to live forever. And like we already have that in Christ. It's incredible, right? We're gonna get new bodies someday. That's taken care of. But we're gonna, we're gonna be who we are still. We get our minds. So our, our, there's a connection with that. So it's not physical. Man, so why, why do we go through all that? Because if you want to sit in heavenly places in Christ now, it's going to be about your heart, mind, and soul. So to sit with Christ, I want you to sit with Christ daily by seeking him and spending time with him in your mind daily. We need to maintain a heavenly mindset, right? Your mind plays an important role in your spiritual life. And so the next few verses on your sheet, you can check those out later at home, but they're just going to show you the role that your mind plays and can play in your spiritual life today. So what we should be doing now is sitting, is in our mind, we should be sitting with him in heavenly places. And how can we do that? I mean, by spending time with him in his word. Sit with him in his word. When, when we open up this book, which is his mind, by the way, that's 1 Corinthians 2.16, this book is his mind. Man, we can be connected with him and we can transcend, in, transcend into heavenly places by reading this book. I mean, you pick up any old storybook and you, you know, you, you're taken on a story. You're taken on a jury. You're taken there, but in your mind. Okay, and we can do that in a heavenly way every day by spending time with God. Sit with Christ every day by time in this book. We need to be doing that, right? And, and that's going to be, that, this is going to drive us to our next point, but this book is also key to where we're going with this next point. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. 
So once we get our minds in the right place, what's naturally going to flow from that is the obedience of our bodies. So we need to get the order right. Of course, the whole world tries to reverse it by coming to God with their works. No, I ain't going to cut it. We can't do anything to come to God on our own. But man, once, we have, once we're right with God in salvation, well, that should be an outflowing of good works from our lives. And, it, and it's going to be connected to our time in this book, sitting with him practically daily. And man, if we do that, we can, we can be sure of our future possibility of ruling and reigning with him. And so finally, from the last verse in our passage, the last thing we need, need to do, and this is way more straightforward, is we need to realize who we are. Walk in good works. So we've covered our past and we've covered our future. So the last few minutes here, we'll be done in a minute. We'll focus on our present. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So after all of that study, this is really simple. But again, don't allow simplicity uh, to, to have you gloss over it. Basically, everything we've talked about so far tonight has been leading us up to this point. I really hope you've been able to see God's hand at work in your salvation and in your life through this passage, but notice from verse 10, we are his workmanship. And that's a word that it's used to describe something incredibly detailed that takes incredible talent and skill to make. It's first mentioned in Exodus 31.3, and it's about the making of the tabernacle and its components, but we'll start in, in verse 1. Uh, 31, Exodus 31, 1 through 5. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezaleel, the son of Eri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, in wisdom, and in understanding, and in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship, to devise cunning works, to work in gold, and in silver, and in brass, and in cutting of stones, to set them, and in carving of timber, to work in all manner of workmanship. The tabernacle was incredibly detailed, an incredible work, that took incredible talent to make. Man, and we are God's workmanship. Man, he has made us. I wish we had time to talk about, look up the word workmanship in your Bible, how many times it appears, and notice something from that. But man, our purpose is to have fellowship with God and worship him and, him and our lives as living sacrifices. That's what you get from those, looking up in the rest of the Bible. But man, and considering what we used to be, from dead and trespasses and sins, Man, to, to what we might be able to be in the future, ruling and reigning with him, what an incredible work God must have been able to do, uh, to do in us and in our lives to transform us like that. We are created with a purpose, with that purpose. So don't be defective. And don't make him a, a bad worker, right? You're, it, it took incredible workmanship to make us. And so a present reality of our salvation is we should be walking in good works now. It's not simply enough to, be, to, to stop living the way that you used to live, meaning like to stop sinning. Don't only stop sinning. If that's your goal, and you're not going to get anywhere because you're not going to be going anywhere. If, you've got to separate yourself from those things in the past, but in, in order to do that, you need to separate yourself unto the right things. Romans 1.1, 1, 1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. So don't just stop sinning and await the future. You have to be separated from sin and start doing the right things in your life. This Christian life, it's not only about sins of commission, meaning sins that, excuse me, that you, that you commit. 
Man, but also consider the sins of omission or things that you should do but don't. James 4.17 says, Therefore to him that knoweth to, do good, to, knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Right? We, should, we shouldn't only be not sinning. We should be doing the right things. We need to be walking in, in good works. As much as I'm against Calvinist theology, I don't want you to prove them wrong by not walking in good works here. Right? Because God has before ordained that you should walk in them. No, no, no. Do it. <laughs> you should walk in good works. So, okay, you should get involved in her, around here. How about this? Are you walking in the good works of this church? As we're trying to do good works and things together, are you walking in those works? What ministry are you involved in? Where do you serve regularly? There's ample opportunity to get involved around here. Uh, join us in, in the missions and the things that we're trying to do with the ministries that we have. I mean, you can, you can get involved here in the well and certainly in, in the greater church, right? 1 Corinthians 16, 15. Be, be like these guys. I beseech you, brethren, ye have known the house of Stephanus that it is the first fruits of Achaia and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Man, do that. Be that person around here. That'd be awesome, right? For, if you've been following along with us in our reading plan, uh, we recently read through Joshua, and this, this stuck out to me. It says, Joshua 23, 23, 6, it said, Be therefore very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. That you turn not aside thereto, therefrom, to the right hand or to the left. And if you want to follow the Lord, you should have the mindset that no matter what this book says, you're going to do it, even before you've seen it. Like a mindset of, I'm going to be obedient to whatever it says. Show me what it says, and I'll do it. That's, that's our, that should be our mindset. We should, we should be obedient to it, right? And, and ultimately, man, if you're going to live a life of worship to him, that's glorifying to him, you're going to have to be. Okay, so if you're thinking, man, that's my mindset, absolutely. Okay, so here's some things you can do. Are you ready? Here's this... Here's, this is a lot of verses. It's not, that, it's not a big passage, though. Romans 12, 9 through 21. Check this out. Do these things. Be obedient to this. It says, verse 9, Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. In honor, preferring one, preferring one another. Not slothful in business. Fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Patient tribulation, continuing, instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, Live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it's written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Man, that list ought to keep us busy for a while. Right? Can we agree together now to not stray from this book? Let's be diligent to maintain good works and do everything that's written herein to the best of our abilities. Right? And 
Let's, let's have humble attitudes as we remember who we used to be and what, what Christ has made a way out of for us, what our beginning was. And then let's maintain spiritual mindsets by spending time with the Lord every day in this book and looking for the coming day that our salvation's fully realized and the day that we get the incredible privilege to reign with him. And until then, let's maintain good works now and make sure that, that we're being who we are created to, to be then and now, and that we can be used of him to draw others out of the darkness that we were once in. Amen? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, man, thank you so much for the things that you've done for us in our lives. Uh, man, uh, we're, we're so incredible, uh, incredibly grateful for the salvation that you offer us. Um, but, but the fact that even just the, the mercy you've shown us in that by not sending us to hell, uh, but, but making a way through what you've done. Man, that is incredible. We are eternally grateful for that as it is, but then the grace you offer us to, to be able to reign with you, what, we're not deserving of that, seriously. Thank you so much for that, and, and the fact that you love us and that you've done any of this to reconcile us to you. Lord, help us to live lives that are pleasing to you, um, that, that we can be a work that you're proud of, as you're building us. And, and let's pray that we would be obedient to let you shape us um, as we move forward, as we're, we spend time with you, as we sit with you in this book and, and, and spend time with you. Uh, mold us to be more like you in your image and to be more usable to you every day. And we look forward to the day that you get the full glory that you deserve. It's in your name we pray. Amen.